we're gonna we're gonna jump into our message today. Um, last week we started uh, just a two week message series, home for the holidays, since we're uh, right here in the holiday season and all the holiday parties are going on and get-togethers. And some of you, how many of you gotten together with family or friends so far? You work work buddies, you know you you know. So it's it's yeah, it's just that time of year, you know, and we're getting together. And it is the time of year where we find that we get to be around the people that we love the most, right? And then also for some, those that annoy us the most. Right, and so we uh, we uh, have to be Christians in the midst of our angst, in the midst of our relationships. And so last week we talked about expectations and how so often we have unrealistic expectations or unmet expectations, and what that does to us and and causes us to do in the context of those relationships. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about having gratitude, which leads to grace. And we're going to learn from, as we did last week, our friend, Clark Griswold. So let's roll that video. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. You know, they took a pint of fluid out of my lower back. You see this mole? This mole in my neck? You think it's changing color? No. Well, you keep touching it, it's getting wetter. I got hemorrhoids. Can you believe them? Oh, mother. Isn't that terrible? You're not getting the garage space. I'm doing the parking. Ross, you want to help me? This is what Christmas is all about. I'll uh, park the cars and check the luggage and uh, yeah, I'll be outside for a season. Hey. Hey. 
his life he must be in the house. I'm sure he wants to come shopping and have lunch. He's got another car. He can drive. I have to eat so I can take my back pill. Christmas is the time of year For being with the ones we love Sharing so much joy and cheer What a wonderful feeling oh, That's what I Oh, Clark. So why did we show that video? That was fun. That was fun. Oh, but also we see that in the, in the, in the scene here, Clark began to have um, a little bit of gratitude for his family when he kind of reflected over the times. So how about that doorbell at the very beginning? Did any of y'all flinch when the doorbell rang up here, thinking about what's coming for you? Thinking about your family that's coming over for Christmas, or, or maybe, maybe if you weren't thinking about that, maybe the person sitting beside you was thinking about it because you're coming over to their house. I don't know. And when the doorbell rang, it, it did. It kind of, oh, oh, it kind of got me too. Um, what causes that? What, what causes the awkwardness of ah, the family gatherings, the, the get-together, the conversations that we're going to be having through the holidays with with family. What, what causes us the, the awkwardness, the drama, the angst inside of us, the anxiety even for many? What causes that in us? Is it, is it maybe looking back over the years, the family dynamics, just growing up with the siblings and, you know, not always getting along and, you know, sometimes either we or they made bad choices and we don't always agree and, well, life didn't turn out the way maybe we planned it or they planned it. And so there's a difference because of the awkwardness of family dynamics or maybe just the way of doing things is different. And, you know, they, uh, I, was, I was talking to uh, one of our pastors and he was talking about Christmas and uh, his wife wants to make a certain cake and his mother-in-law wants to, no, his mother wants to make him a cake and his wife wants to make him the same kind of cake. And he has to choose between his wife and his mother. I thought, Poor fella. Yeah, but it's little things like that, right? Just have two cakes. But then you got to taste them and see which one you like better. You know they're going to make him do that, and we prayed for him. Maybe it was outbursts of anger coming up through the years. Maybe last holiday, you know, and, and last Christmas, you, something went down. You know, you, you drank too much, you eggnog, got in a fight, and now you got to go back and face them. Whatever it may be, there's 
or, or, or maybe it's politics, right? Isn't it crazy how politics can change a room? Just, just one word in here right now could just change the environment because it's politically linked and differences in religion can do the same thing. The holidays, this is, this is, this is cool, it's interesting. The holidays have a way of amplifying whatever state the relationship is in. In other words, if the relationship is good, the holidays have a way of amplifying that goodness. We can't wait. We look forward to it. We get together, and it's such a joyous time of the year. But if the relationship's bad, the same holidays amplify that badness, amplify the tension, amplify this angst on the inside of us. And now here we're together with family, and it's like, when can I get out of here? Holidays have a way of amplifying both the healthy and the unhealthy state of our relationships. And so how do we as Christians navigate the holidays? How do we navigate it in, in a Christ-like manner? How do we represent Christ properly through the holidays? Well, I believe it's one simple thing that if we could put it in our pocket, take with us, hold on to, exemplify as we go throughout the holidays, this one simple thing I believe will, will, will help us all. And that is we must change our perspective of the situations. Perspective is everything. And it all starts with us. It starts with me. It starts with you, the individual. It's not about hope they don't do. It's how do I respond? What is my perspective? How, what is my perspective of the people? What is my perspective of the circumstances? Here's why it's so important. Your perspective of people determines your reactions to those same people. And so if you're going into the holiday season with a certain perspective of someone, you know, I love so-and-so, I love so-and-so, but oh, Bubba, you know, I don't know, oh, Susie or whoever it may be, you know, Uncle Tom, I, I, I struggle with them. I struggle with that relationship and your perspective of that person causes you to react sometimes in an offensive way. Sometimes it causes you to react in a defensive way. Your, your perspective of people determines your reaction to people. So here's the deal. We have the opportunity, I would even say the responsibility, to choose our reaction to the people in our lives. When we look at those people that are difficult, we get to choose how we see them, our perspective. Everybody, everybody has qualities and everybody has liabilities, every single one of us. You do too. You've got those good features about you, those qualities. Oh, man, he's so likable. He's so charismatic. He's such a sweet guy. He says such kind things. You know, she, she's so hospitable. She's so friendly. She'll do anything for you. Everybody has these qualities about them. But likewise, everyone has liabilities. These things, oh, man. The, they always say the wrong thing at the wrong time. They're so critical. Come on, how many of you know somebody that's so critical? If you're not raising your hand, they're talking about you, right? You know, it's, it's the, every one of us have qualities and liabilities. And here's the deal. So we, we go into the holidays, we go into these relationships, and we have the responsibility to choose whether we're going to accentuate those qualities in that person or if we're going to accentuate those liabilities in that person. Am I going to look at that person and, and choose to see their, their good side? 
Let me look at the good things about them and let me focus on that. Or are we going to choose to focus on those things that annoy us? And you know what they are. You know who they are. I mean, we, this, is, this is family, right? This is, this is co-workers that we've worked with forever. These are people that we know well. Here's, here's a principle that works every time. If you choose to look at their qualities, their qualities are going to be in your focus and your reaction to them is going to be filtered through those qualities. They still have those same liabilities, but they're in your peripheral. They're not in your focus. You're not denying that they're annoying. You're just not focusing on the fact that they're annoying. And you're focusing on the fact that they have qualities. They're really a good person deep down inside, and you're going to focus on that. If you choose to focus on their liabilities, their awkwardness, their, their demeanor, how mean they are, their words, you know, just if you focus on that, it's not denying that they have qualities. It's just that you're not focused on them, so they're in your peripheral. And whatever you focus on is how you respond, react to them. And you know, gasoline on a fire is never good. Right? I mean, it's good if you're going to start a fire, but in relationships, it's never good. So we actually get to choose. It's up to us. And you say, well, Pastor Mike, you don't know this person. You don't know, you don't know my mother-in-law. You don't know my, my grandma. You don't know my uncle. You don't know that person. No, and I don't, but every one of us have people in our lives like that. As a matter of fact, ironically, somebody is thinking that about you for the holiday season. Oh, I got to be around Reggie. <laughs> okay, I'm going to focus on his qualities and not his abilities. <laughs> I'm helping you out, Reggie. <laughs> and Kenya's over there. Amen. Amen. <laughs> no, it's, it's true. We all have this situation. So, but we choose. It isn't forced on us. You don't have to react defensively. You don't have to. You choose to. And that's what gets us in trouble in the holidays because we get together and things intensify. So it starts with you. Imagine with me just for a moment. And I try to, th- I try to see things through God's eyes as much as possible. But here I am, I'm choosing whether to focus on the qualities of that person or the liabilities. Imagine if not only can I focus on their qualities, but I can empathize with their liabilities because we all have them. So I got them too. I got issues just like you. I was walking the halls this morning and hugging necks and seeing people. And I don't know, I just had a weird picture in my mind of a hospital and the quarters of a hospital. And, you know, this is a church, but in many ways, this is also a hospital. And I was just, for, for a moment, as I walked down the hallways, I was seeing people as if I was walking down the halls of a hospital. I wanted to start asking people, what are you in here for? <laughs> Maybe we should start doing that in church instead of saying, how are you doing? Because everybody lies, right? How are you doing? Good. Let's just change it. Let's just start asking, what are you in here for? <laughs> What's your issues? <laughs> it's a bad knee. <laughs> oh, I'm in here for deep sin. <laughs> you know, I don't know. But what are you in here for? Uh, but I, I, I think that if, if you miss this, if you miss this, then you're going to tend to, you're going to tend to judge people for their worst day and judge yourself for your best day. Or you're going to judge people for their conduct. You're going to judge yourself for your intentions. You're not going to be equal with that person that you're struggling to have a relationship with. Yet you are. You're all, you're all, every one of us, we're all knuckleheads. We're all jacked up. That's just my way of saying it. We all have issues. It's just different issues. And maybe you're not, your issues aren't the same 
as that person you struggle to get along with issues, they're different issues, but they're issues nonetheless. And if we could just see that their issues, just like your issues, are there for a reason. Maybe it was a bad childhood. Maybe it was abuse as a child. Maybe it was those three divorces that they experienced that they didn't, didn't want to have, but they, they were victims of. Maybe, maybe it's, you know, uh, uh, rejection as a child. Maybe, maybe it was sin that they committed that they're so ashamed of, and now they're hardened and they're mean because of their regrets. It just, if you could empathize with that person instead of judging them and saying, I can't believe them. Just because you don't do what they're doing, but you do something else, right? If we can see them through God's eyes and empathize with them and realize that everybody has a story, everybody has hurt and struggles, and everyone's, everyone has flaws, including us. Imagine getting to a place where we could understand their liabilities, understanding why they are the way they are, understanding their struggles. Being willing to understand people produces compassion inside of us for those people, and it will change the way we feel about them. Or another way of saying it is it'll change the way we view them. The lens in which we see them will change when we have compassion for them which only comes through understanding or trying to understand them. Does that make sense? Oh, Y'all staring at me like, Pastor Mike, I don't know where you're going with this. You mean I got to be nice to them? <laughs> well, that's between you and God, right? Anytime you see Jesus ministering in the Bible, throughout the scriptures, throughout the gospels, Jesus would go to the people and it says he would have compassion on them. Something on the other side of him that understood their depravity, that understood their brokenness, that understood their inability to function in a manner that was sociable, that was, that was healthy. He understood them and it produced a compassion that led him to minister to them. He could see them through God's eyes and that's where He's drawing us to. He's saying, hey, think about those relationships. Think about those brothers and sisters. Think about those aunts and uncles. Think about those cousins. Think about those people. And it, it could be coworkers or just people you hang out with through the holidays. But those people that are difficult, that are honoring, think about them. And if we begin to try to understand them, think about the compassion that would come forth and how we would see them differently, which would lead us to treat them differently. Treat them like Christ would treat them. He ministered to people. He ministered out of the motivation of his heart. In today's clip, again, we saw Clark, oh, as frustrated as he was, you know, honey, I'm going to go park the car for a season. <laughs> he was ready to get out of there. As potentially frustrated as he was after he began to watch those old videos, he began to have compassion for his family, he began to understand how important the family was, and it began to move his heart to compassion. He goes from being annoyed to being grateful for his family. Gratitude changes the way we see people, and it impacts the way we treat them. The word gratitude means to be thankful. Be thankful. It, it's being ready to show appreciation for and giving kindness to the people 
in our lives. Scriptures tell us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks. That's gratitude. That's thank you, being appreciative of in all circumstances, including the holidays when we have to get together with those annoying people. Give thanks. Be grateful for all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So now this isn't just a suggestion from God. This is an instruction on how to live as a Christian in the context of relationships, to be grateful for people, to be grateful for people. When we're grateful for people, we will naturally extend grace to those people. I don't know how possible it is to extend grace to people you're not grateful for. Because if you're not grateful for them, you take them for granted. Or they could actually be on your bad side. You know, it's like, I wrote them off, right? I'm, I'm not dealing with them. I'm done with them. That ship's done sailed. I'm not having anything to do with them. So there's no gratitude. And if there's no gratitude, there's no grace. But it's when we begin to try to understand them in their liabilities, as ornery as they are, we try to understand them, which leads us to then have compassion on them, which leads us to have, you know, just, just that whole idea of, of understanding them and being grateful for them, being thankful for them instead of being annoyed by them, which leads us to show grace to them. If I'm not grateful for you, I won't be graceful towards you. So grace is giving someone slack even though they don't deserve it. And I think that last part there is what trips us up. I'll give them slack if they earn it. I'll give them slack, grace, if they deserve it, if I think they deserve it, if they live up to a standard in which I've set in my mind, I'll give them grace. But no, it's, that's not even grace. Grace isn't being kind to someone who deserves it. Grace is being kind to someone who doesn't deserve it. It's kind of like how God treats us. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve anything from God. If anything, we deserve his wrath. And the Bible tells us that clearly. It's our depravity, our sin, our distance from God that requires that he pours out his wrath on us. There's not one person on the face of the earth that's good enough for heaven. Never has been, never will be, except Jesus Christ. Except Jesus Christ. And here lies the grace. God saw us in our depravity and our separation from him. He saw us in our knuckleheadedness and our, our all jacked upness. That's a brand new word right there. He saw us and he said, oh my gosh, look at Kevin Eggman. I just can't believe. <laughs> There's no hope for him. I'm probably what he was saying, right, Kevin? <laughs> and he's like, I've got to do something though. Can't just leave him there. And he sent Jesus for Kevin and for you and for me. That's grace, to extend favor when we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. I believe this, that when we feel like people don't deserve grace, we'll actually justify not giving it to them. In our minds, we'll list out every reason why they don't deserve it and we're not going to give it. We feel good about ourselves by not giving it. They... They don't deserve it. Maybe if I'm mean to them or ignore them, they'll get the hint. That's what we think. That's not grace at all. 
If we go back to the very beginning of this message and we ask the question, why does this all happen? How do we get here? Remember, we talked about the tension, the awkwardness, the brokenness, the hurt that is in people's lives that causes them to act the way they do, makes them to be mean, ornery, awkward, defensive. By the way, that includes us. We consider all of the brokenness in people. It's good to understand that all of that comes from sin. The problem is sin. The problem is not that person who you have trouble with. The problem is sin. It's the sin nature of mankind. Adam sinned, and since Adam, all men have been born into sin. We are sinners by nature, and we sin. We make decisions that are sinful. We say words that are sinful. Our actions become sinful, and there's division among us. When we diagnose the real problem, it's not Uncle Bob. It's not your mother-in-law. It's sin. And when we, when we label it what it truly is, we can then react to that sin the way God would react to it. And that is to show mercy and grace. Scripture tells us in Romans 5, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. If you don't recognize the sin as the root of the conflict, you will blame the person. You will blame the environment or you'll blame yourself. But when you see with the eyes of God and you see, okay, it's not that person. It's not Aunt Sally. It's just sin. It's our sins that cause this division. When you recognize that, you begin to diagnose it with grace and mercy. You begin to give grace. We're commanded to do that in Ephesians 4.31 and 32. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Watch this. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Just like Jesus forgives you of your awful sin, just like Jesus forgives me of my awful sin, we should forgive others. Cut them slack. Show them grace. I think it's messages like this that cause me to have some gratitude. Because immediately, I think, how could God have forgiven me? How could God have forgiven me? I sinned my life from beginning till, till now. And it may not be the, the gross sins that sometimes we go, oh, at least I'm not this. At least I don't drink, smoke, cuss, rumble, those that do, you know, so we categorize. No, but what about not honoring God in anything we do? How about pursuing uh, the, the world, what the world has to offer over what Jesus has to offer? I mean, just it, it's every day we sin. How could God forgive me of my sin only through mercy and grace? And that makes me grateful. <laughs> I am grateful. I don't deserve the forgiveness that God gives me. You know, if you've been in church a little while, you've heard the gospel stories and you remember there were 12 disciples. Y'all remember 12 disciples? If you had to pick one disciple not to be, who would it be? Just name one. Yeah. Yet that's who we are. 
I, I, I want to. I, I would love to think. Yeah, if I had to be a disciple, I'd want to be Peter. I'd want to be. I'd want to be. I'd want to be James. Right? He was. He was the brother of Jesus. Man, imagine growing up in the house. You know. No, we're not Peter. We're not James. We're all Judas. We all betray Jesus every day. In our flesh. And yet God has grace and mercy on us. And he forgives our sins. And he tells us, now you go and do the same for others. He flips the dynamic, flips, flips our whole paradigm. Now, instead of going out and judging them and condemning them and treating them with an with a outstretched hand, can we still say that, speak to the hand? I don't know if that's still a thing. We can do that, but we're not being Christ-like. And it's, it's little moments like this where God just kind of pokes us and says, hey, you're going into the holidays. Hey, you're going to be around that family next weekend. Hey, I want you to love them like I love you. Oh, but God, they don't deserve it. You don't either. <laughs> Ouchie. <laughs> he got us. He got us. Okay, we're done, God. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Just like God has shown grace and forgiveness to you, you show grace and forgiveness to others.